Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. And we have another uh, fantastic guest today, all celebrating the road to the Infinity Festival, which is an event happening in November in Hollywood, all focused on storytelling advanced by technology. And today's special guest is Patrick Costello, who's the Senior Director of Business Development at Qualcomm Technologies. So let's have a big, a big tech cat welcome for Patrick. <laughs> That's the studio audience, Patrick. <laughs> wow, Lori, you, you must have thousands of people in your studio audience. Yeah, yeah, That's it's great. really, it's like, it's like a clown car studio. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Patrick, you lead the North American um, Partnership Engagement for Qualcomm's XR business. And I'm, I'm going to ask you to explain that because I know that when we talk about immersive content, people use XR as an as a way to describe it. So I want to hear what your definition is, is for it. But you're basically working with all the operators, the content providers, all the entertainment brands to, to advance the mobile ecosystem in this space and, and um, drive adoption of, of all of Qualcomm's great products um, and portfolio. So love to hear your background, how you um, came to this role and tell us all about what Qualcomm's up to. Yeah, great. First of all, thank you so much, Lori, for having me today. I really appreciate the invite and uh, certainly looking forward to the to the festival coming up here in November. I do want to just apologize in advance uh, to your audience that might have to indulge any sniffles, coughs, or, or throat clears here as I'm a little bit under the weather, but hopefully I can power through here without uh, too many hiccups. You, so, you sound better um, than most, <clears throat> most healthy people I know. <laughs> oh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> Yes, I actually had to kind of double-check my math when I was thinking about it this morning because I, I never thought I'd, I'd be at one company for so long, but I actually joined Qualcomm in 1997. So wow. the company at that time was 12 years old, and I was I was 25, actually, so I just made it easy for you to kind of back into my age. But, oh, nice. But, uh, at, the, <laughs> <laughs> at the time... Uh, Qualcomm was was ramping operations. They were building their business. They just sort of successfully established uh, CDMA as a new standard for wireless communications, and and that was being adopted by uh, most of the wireless networks. And the the big buzz today, obviously, is 5G, and I'm sure we'll get to that topic. But um, back then, CDMA, which you can really think of as kind of 2G, uh, 2G standard, was considered quite revolutionary. As it really moved us kind of from analog to digital communications, and it, it really put Qualcomm on the map and, and really kind of at the epicenter of, of this budding wireless ecosystem that, that's so massive right now. So, but once you create a new standard, um, you know, you need equipment for that standard, and, and there really wasn't any, any base stations, wireless base stations or uh, networks or, or mobile handsets that supported the CDMA standard. So Qualcomm decided to also get into that business, and that's kind of first when I got hired into into Qualcomm. And back then, we actually made uh, handsets, CDMA phones. Uh, this was pre-smartphone era. And my first job, actually, at Qualcomm was uh, at, at a kind of a know-nothing 25-year-old was a phone accessories planner, if you can believe it. So I was planning things like 
cigarette lighter adapters and belt clips and hands-free car kits and leather cases and things like that, which was quite a lot of fun, actually. And it was a, a really exciting time to be working for the company. So uh, since those days, I guess I've had probably, I don't know, a half dozen different jobs and probably at least twice as many bosses. <laughs> uh, but it's it's been a, a really uh, a fun career at Qualcomm. And I guess that speaks to the sort of the the ability, the mobility that we have and able to, to move around uh, to different jobs and, and roles in the company, which is great. So fast forward to, the, to today and your question, I guess, is, um, you know, Qualcomm now is, is massive, um, considered pretty much by many as kind of the R&D engine for the, for the wireless industry. Um, we're, our components and technology are, can be found in most every consumer device category there is out there. Most widely known for smartphones, but we're in, you know, laptops, camera, printers, drone, car, robots, wearables, smart city, smart home. So mostly connectivity and processing technologies and, and software. But one of these exciting new categories that we're building now is, is XR. And, and, you know, we use XR uh, as a, a ter- extended reality as a term. And there's, there's lots of nomenclature out there, but whether it's augmented reality or virtual reality, mixed reality, or even now there's there's something called diminished reality, um, we just kind of use it as an all-encompassing term to represent uh, any point on that immersive computing spectrum. Oh, how cool is that? Uh, now, when you um, when you talk about XR, give us just a definition for that, because again, we've had many people talk about immersive technologies and all these different things. Um, where where what does that mean for you when you say that? Yeah, it's it's really an umbrella term, and and it stands for extended reality. So you might have done virtual reality experiences, whether it's in the you know like an Oculus Rift or Oculus Quest where you're completely cut off from the real world and you're having experiences that are um, uh, rendered in a display in front of your eyes, but you can't see anything outside of that experience, or augmented reality where you have a pair of glasses on and you're seeing most of the real world through the, through the lenses of the glasses, but there's something being projected onto the display of those glasses, um, either you know 3D uh, digital uh, information or holographic information, uh, digital assets basically. So that's augmented reality. And there's there's now, you know, um, different versions that are are coming together. You can actually do uh, through, for example, you might have a VR headset on and you can engage the cameras to to enable what's called pass through mode. So you can actually now have augmented reality experiences in VR headsets. So it's all sort of blending together now. And, um, you know, we fast forward, our thinking is down the road, the horizon view really is that the, the Holy Grail device is a device that does both. Um, it's it's kind of a, a, a multi-mode device where you can have VR experiences, um, but most of your time will probably be spent in augmented reality mode, and then you'll drop into VR mode on the device uh, to, to do either entertainment experiences or training or something like that um, in the device. Okay, so that, and that that fits nicely into a lot of the different conversations that we've been having, but we've mostly talked to creators of the content, so it's interesting to spin it around on the sort of how does it get to the consumer side, because people shy away from that conversation because it's an awkward conversation to have right now when you're spending so much time and resources on content 
and then the distribution sort of pipeline is not so clear. So do, do you mm-hmm. have sort of an answer for that for people when they talk about, you know, um, where, where can I see this stuff? Yeah, and, and the, really uh, it goes to the heart of, you know, what our role as a company is as a technology enabler for the ecosystem is, you know, we're not creating content. You know, our mission is to um, basically uh, usher in this new era of, you know, we really believe that this could be the next generation of the mobile computing platform that could scale to hundreds of millions of devices over time, like smartphone style, uh, smartphone like volumes. But we have a long way to go to get there, obviously. Um, so our role in the ecosystem really is as an enabler. So we talk about what's what we call the four pillars of, of how we enable our the ecosystem. We we obviously provide the silicon and the chipsets, very high performance, low power, with with dedicated IP IP blocks for uh, XR, augmented reality, virtual reality. We provide the software, all the perception algorithms and, and display and GPU algorithms, tracking algorithms that go into really um, making that experience uh, seamless and immersive for the user. And then we also provide reference design hardware that lets our OEMs um, get a a true form factor device that's kind of pre-integrated with a lot of the technology like camera sensors and IMUs and controllers um, to help them get their device to market faster um, knowing that a lot of these technologies have already been pre-integrated and tested by Qualcomm. And then uh, to your last point is we also uh, have a developer-facing group that supports the ecosystem with SDKs and tools, and we work very closely with companies like Unity and Unreal right, um, as well to make sure that, that the, the devices and the platforms running on our Snapdragon chipsets um, are, are working very well uh, and optimized for those platforms. So um, our role, you know, we're, we're really focused on how do we get as many great uh, partner devices out there uh, in partnership with the ecosystem as we possibly can, focus on making them better, cheaper, sleeker, lighter, faster, more powerful, bring those cost curves down um, as the market scales up. And as you get a, a large addressable uh, you know, market of devices, I think that's going to bring the developer ecosystem together. That's going to bring more developers. Uh, it's going to create more revenue opportunities for the developers, which will create the, the, the kind of content availability that, that you uh, referenced earlier. So, and th- there's there's two things that people talk about when it comes to sort of mobile immersive, too. W- one is obviously, you know, the, the, the headsets and all these different, um, you know, uh, VR headsets and the augmented reality glasses that are coming out. But the other part of this is is the phone and, um, you know, VR that people are consuming through 360. And that was supposed to be the, the great white hope for VR, what was 360 <laughs> yeah. videos. So I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about it, because that's kind of been a disappointment to people that that hasn't saved the day for VR content, um, 360 videos. So I wonder if you guys ever talk about you know, the role that the phone is playing in this. Because I totally, I, I just got a, um, a Quest, a, a Facebook Quest, Oculus Quest, and I love it. I mm-hmm. mean, I wish I had more time in my life to even explore the content that I downloaded. Um, and I'm finding right. myself staying up late, you know, when, when, my, when my kid is asleep so that I can sneak off and 
you know, dive into to the experience more because it's just so interesting and so well done and such an affordable model for VR. But what happened to, you know, the mobile phone in VR? Yeah, I hope, and I hope we can come back to the Quest because I, I wholeheartedly agree with you on, on the impressiveness of that device. So hopefully we can talk about that too. But, but yeah, I mean, so 360 video, I mean, if you recall back when VR first sort of was the hot topic, right, um, we had Samsung... VR using the phone into the drop-in, um, kind of, kind of dumb. Uh, I, I mean, the the chipless uh, uh, hardware, right? Where you just you snap your phone into the unit, you put it on your head, and you're off in VR. Most of those content experiences were, as you as you said, were 360 video. And at the time, I think they were they were pretty interesting and compelling. But I think the what where the industry struggled was. Is it is it monetizable, right? There are some examples where you could have some monetizable experiences as you as you plugged into brands and advertising, but for the most part, it it became I think a, a feeling of that it was an interesting novelty, but that it was really not something that people were willing to you know open up their wallets for. And it and because it, it as unique and novel as it was, it really didn't bring in a lot of the immersive completely immersive elements that, that you are starting to feel now with devices like the Quest um, with uh, six-dot uh, head tracking and six-dot controller tracking. So I think as we as we move up the scale on interactivity and, and immersion with the new technologies that these new devices are enabling, um, it's going to be creating uh, more value that people might be willing to pay for. I You know, I hope so because... Um well, let's talk about the Quest, because um, the other thing that I was kind of excited about was watching a 360 video in the Quest, which was, to me, the same, it felt like room scale. You know, it was to, it felt like the same experience of a full-on location-based experience, you know. Um, I, I mean, I was surprised, um, because when I've done, you know, 360 just on the phone, it's a different game, so... You know, t- tell us about what your thoughts are about the Quest as a trend in where these devices are going and, you know, what what you've enjoyed the most about it as a consumer. Yeah, I think some some of the obvious ones, and, and of course, you know, we're we're very proud to be partnered with Oculus on this device. Um, it's it's running the Snapdragon platform. We work very hard with them to to optimize the performance, and um, I think they really knocked it out of the park here. I, I really believe that um, it, the industry, the VR industry for standalone will kind of be defined as sort of pre-quest and post-quest. So it's quickly become a bestseller. I think I'm seeing through other partner discussions um, where um, even within enterprise, for example, where where devices um, that are traditionally cabled up to a PC, these enterprise uh, class clients are starting to ask about standalone and how do we cut the cable? So, so some of the obvious benefits are obviously you have no cable, right? So you're you're able to to move freely and room scale um, uh, with the Quest. Um, there, there's no complexity of setup with the PC. It's pretty much throw it on and go, um, and you have full six degrees of freedom head tracking and full six degrees of freedom controller tracking, which which makes for great immersion. And then you know, they've just done some really outstanding things with regards. To the um, you know the setup and 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 the uh, the tutorial to get it set up and, and the, you know the the guide system uh, for safety uh, it's just it's just an outstanding experience and um, 
the the uh, so it's going to set a, a new standard, we believe, and you know you can get um, both interactive rendered based experiences in that device, but even you know you mentioned three sixty videos, which are great, but even two D video, like if if you have tried the Netflix app or some of the other just sort of apps where you can just watch 2D traditional linear video. It's a fairly compelling experience too when you're when you're in those uh, environments. Yeah, for sure. It's like being in your own special movie theater um, and you can just sit down and put the headset on. And, it, and it's actually really comfortable the way that they balanced it, which, uh, you know, I don't know if you've talked to a lot of women, but, you know, a lot of us don't like putting things on our face because of hair and makeup challenges. Um, <laughs> it's just like a reality <laughs> of our demographic but when i'm in my own house and it's at the end of the day and i'm choosing it as a form of entertainment rather than watching you know a netflix movie or whatever you know i don't care what happens to my hair and makeup right it's a it's a choice i'm making and it the the content is so compelling um you know i went on a um I went and did the nat geo um expedition where i was um kayaking um, in the North Pole, looking at um, penguins, um, and it was a, it was a C, it was a CG experience. So it it didn't feel like extremely like this is real life, but I did lose myself in it. I felt like I was somewhere else, and I was, you know, wanting to find the penguins, you know, for a few minutes there. So, you know, it's yeah, de- it's, me, de- it's it's really the oh sorry to interrupt. But I was just going to say, for me, it's the first VR device that I've had where I sort of lose track of time and I forget how long I'm in headset, um, which which is a great sign that they're on the, the right track. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. And so from a use case perspective, I know you like to talk about, and you and I have talked a little bit about this, about Vader Immortal. Um, which came out of ILM X Lab, and it and it is this and fantastic VR experience where you're confronted with the task of proving to Darth Vader that you are worthy, and that the the dark the the force the dark force whatever they call it is is um is in you. What do they call it again? I can't believe I can't remember. But uh, when the when the force goes bad, when the force goes bad, um, and the the uh, yeah, the dark side. And when the when he walks into the room, you put on the headset, you start it, and he walks into the room, and he's gigantic, and you're this regular-sized person, and he's doing the breathing that, you know, he's so famous for. It's very intense. Like, I know my heart rate went up. Um, and so that that is the culmination of, like, a fantastic you know, bunch of work that went into creating that, that experience. Yeah. I mean, they, they really did a great job and I commend Oculus for, you know, partnering with ILM X lab on this and, and investing in this. I mean, because a lot of the, you know, one of sort of one of the knocks on VR right now is that, is that, you know, it's just all games and yeah, of course, Vader Immortal is, is a game as well, but it's more than a game. It's, it's, it combines, you know, cinematic storytelling with, with the interactive gameplay um, as well. So, um, and what they did so well is, is they really thought about in the crafting of the, of that narrative, they thought about what the technology allowed for with the six degrees of freedom, head tracking and, and controller tracking. And, and they sort of crafted the narrative uh, to, 
to basically showcase what you can do in the device. So there's lots of, uh, obviously, the obvious fun stuff like wielding the lightsabers and, you know, having battle sequences. And But there's also fun little puzzles and things like that. You figure out with the controllers and you, you know, have to move your body and your hands in a certain way that really leverages the maximum sort of the, the utility of what you can do with the hardware. So that was a lot of fun. And that's, that's a three, that's going to be a three episode uh, series. And I think, uh, I'm not sure when the second one's coming out, but the, you know, they launched episode one with, with the release of the quest itself. So it got a lot of buzz and I think it's got a, a pretty high rating on the, on the store. And they were also, and this is just wearing my other industry hat as governor of the interactive media peer group. They were a finalist for a juried award for interactive media, for innovation in interactive media, um, because I think everyone understands, you know, what what that project has done, you know, for for a, a non-connected um, headset and for um, for a, a VR that takes a piece of IP and really extends it to its audience in a whole different way. Yeah, and I believe they actually worked with with Lucas Films on this, so it's actually part of the Star Wars canon officially. So I think they really took great care with the IP. Uh, knowing how how sort of uh, fervent the fan base was, and I think they really respected the IP, and they wanted they wanted to make it part of the canon, which is, is just awesome. So, so for you guys, because I know I know you see this as a great case study for for Qualcomm. Um, do you see more work like this coming coming down the pike? Like, is this a trend of of more work to come, not only on devices like Oculus, but just across the board? You know, something that's so easily easily lit up in the hearts of consumers um, for this kind of experience. Well, yeah, I mean, let's hope hope so. And you know, the 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 investment um, that the big platform guys are are making in the space continues to be impressive. I mean, Oculus is very committed to VR. Um, the uh, we're very committed to the space, so we're investing. Um, to have dedicated roadmap support. And the more capable the devices become, um, every generation of flagship chip that we release is essentially a 20 to 30% improvement in things like GPU capabilities, CPU capabilities. And we're always you know, supporting more cameras and, and better software to make these interactive, immersive experiences more impressive for users. So I think if that's where we are now is really the first generation of six plus six standalone VR. Um, you can just kind of imagine where we're going to take it um, on the roadmap side and how impressive the experiences are going to be, which is only, I think, you know, draw more attention and interest from the developer community uh, as these experiences get out there. God, I love that. And, and, and that's part of the yeah. key to all of this, right, is getting this into the hands of developers who can fill up the store with really high-quality content because I know there were so many... VR experiences that people had even just a couple years ago that weren't great and it kind of turned people off and so right now experiences like this with that great headset and again powered by your chipset that are changing that bad rep of the you know or wrap of the early VR experiences right yeah and, and again all credit to Oculus for sort of changing their approach um, with Quest as they really thought that they they took a lot of time and curated you know 50 premium experiences when they launched the device and they wanted every piece of content on the store 
to really be a great experience. Um, and I think that's really important, right? Because I think, um, especially as, as it's sort of the first, first, um, premium six plus six device, uh, out there that can do this. Um, it's, it's really important that they set the tone for, for a, a baseline experience. It's going to going to be great because they want people talking positively about the device, positively about the experiences as they now add titles into the store. And and do you guys want consumers to to think of this as a device that Qualcomm was involved in or is it more of a B2B marketing play? Like uh, when I pick up the Quest to buy, am I thinking this is going to be amazing because Qualcomm is 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 powering this or is it more that Oculus and developers know that it's Qualcomm and so they're willing to jump into the ecosystem? I mean, you know, Qualcomm is as a technology enabler, we're always happy to, to take a backseat to our partners and, you know, Oculus obviously um, they're the ones that made the device and they deserve due credit for creating an incredible device. Um, but I think if you ask folks over there, uh, hopefully they'd say that, that Qualcomm had a, a, a good part in the process, and we work very closely with them um, to make sure that it was it was optimized and leveraging as much of the chipset and, and as much of the technology that Qualcomm provided as possible. So, you know, we we like our partners to shine. Uh, we're not we're not trying to sort of uh, trump anyone's messaging here, but it, it is nice uh, when we get kudos uh, recognition that that it's really Snapdragon powering these these types of devices. That's so cool. We're going to take a break um, in a moment. And when we come back, I want to talk about just some general trends happening in the space that are um, influencing some of the decisions that you're making as you look to pull together, you know, all the, um, the, the technology portfolio that Qualcomm has and then all the different partners in the ecosystem that you are reaching out to. So we're going to be back in a moment with Patrick Costello, who has a cold but sounds great. <laughs> and Patrick is <laughs> Senior Director of Business Development at Qualcomm. So we've been getting all sorts of insights on, on um, how, you know, a, a chipset company is really playing a major role in the future of content and especially new formats and immersive formats um, in Hollywood. We'll be back in a moment on the Tech Cat Show. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, 
Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv. Hi, everybody, and we're back, and we've been talking to Patrick Costello, who's Senior Director of Business Development at Qualcomm Technologies, and we are on the road to the Infinity Festival Hollywood, which is a a big event happening in Los Angeles and Hollywood um, early November that is really focused on storytelling advanced by technology, and so Patrick is one of the great partners of the show with Qualcomm, um, helping to drive insights around what's happening in tech that's really driving storytelling. And so we were just talking about immersive content and how that powerful chipset um, is really driving a lot of this. And he and I were also geeking out um, during the break about the Oculus Quest and how how it's so much fun um, to dive into that that very consumer friendly um, headset and and watch some VR, you know, in your home without being tethered to something. But are are there other tech trends that are really impacting the decision making um, that you guys are making around what kind of content to get involved with and what kind of tech to get behind? Well, I think I think one of the biggest things right now, and it's it's probably you, you hear it from many of your your podcast guests, is that you know the biggest happening right thing happening in the industry right now is is the launch and deployment of five G, which you know Qualcomm is is sort of again at at the vanguard of, and we're we're very involved in the standards and and helping um, accelerate you know, 5G launch by about one year from the original schedule. So, um, in 5G, it's just, you know, it's going to fuel an era of significant growth, not just for the wireless industry, but for many industries across the global economy. So we don't really think of 5G in terms of like just a new wireless standard, but, but really is critical backbone infrastructure. And, you know, if you've ever heard our president, Cristiano Amon, talk about it, we really sort of frame it up in the same way like we talk about electricity, it's just going to be that critical um, to how um, the world moves forward with uh, communicating and, com- and compute. So, um, and, you know, not to get super technical about, you know, 5G, but, you know, in summary, that 5G really just brings significant improvements in, in throughput and in latency, consistent, consistency of connection and, you know, cost of delivering those bits to the user, uh, these are all these are all metrics that are going to improve, um, you know, between somewhere between three and ten x, depending on network conditions, thing like that. But um, more importantly, all of these things are going to be intelligently intelligently connected to the cloud. So you bring the power of the cloud to these edge devices. Um, what you're really talking about now is these devices being able to to leverage artificial intelligence and higher order compute functions that reside on the cloud. 
so experiences become much more intuitive, you know, personalized and, and useful um, for users. And that, that obviously, you know, can, can impact content experiences as well. And just as a, as a quick um, side note on if, if anyone's wondering where we are with the deployment of 5G and how that compares to, to the 4G uh, LTE rollout, we're way ahead of where we were with, with 4G. So um, it's moving much, much faster. At, when we launched 4G, there was actually only four operators and I think three OEMs um, when 5G launched. But with 5G, sort of the, for the first time, the wireless transition is, is happening simultaneously in, in every major uh, world economy. So the United States, Europe, Japan, Korea, Australia, China, and others. We have 20 plus operators um, uh, that have, that will launch in 2018. 20 device manufacturers launching devices in 2018. Um, so launching is obviously the first step, and now now all these operators um, need to focus on building out coverage and accelerating scale. Uh, but we have, I think, over 150 design wins uh, for on the Qualcomm platform for 5G devices. And virtually every operator launching 5G is launching with with our Snapdragon-based based products. So um, it's it's happening fast, uh, and, and, it, and it's going to be hugely impactful. I, I mean, it's it's really all anybody is talking about, and and um, maybe this is a good ch- chance for you to talk a little bit about how this connects some other trends together. Because inevitably, if you talk about 5G. Um, then the conversation leads to artificial intelligence and Internet of Things because those two things are going to work together better because of 5G. So are you guys looking at AI and IoT as well? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're heavily investing in, in AI, both AI um, and IoT. We have, uh, you know, a huge IoT business, and you know, that extends into... IoT is a pretty broad term that can that can cover wearables, that can cover smart cities, that can cover smart home. But um, but you, what you rightly point out is that 5G is sort of going to be the lifeblood of all of these verticals. And once you have you know uh, 5G connectivity on all these devices, you have uh, billions of people, not only billions of people connected, but hundreds of billions of other things connected right to the network at very high throughput, very low latency. Um, that opens up a tremendous amount of opportunity and, and new experiences. I mean, so we look at, you know, everyone always likes to ask, well, what are, how are people going to use it? What are the use cases? And I think to a large extent, the, the most truthful answer is is that we don't really fully know yet. Um, being in the XR world, I can, I can speculate on a lot of things. Um, and it's fun to speculate, but for like for LTE, um, which really enabled us to really put sort of these powerful computers in our pockets and do do mobile broadband data, right? Um, no one would have anticipated that a service like Uber would have you come on the scene and, and basically you you can't have a service like Uber without without LTE and 4G. So when 5G hits, it's going to be fun to watch sort of the the market take over and, and see how these companies and, and new entrants leverage this technology and, and leverage market forces to create new customer value, new business models, and really transform the world. Ooh, I love transforming the world. <laughs> now, there's a lot, there's a lot of um, mis-messaging about 5G right now from 
from the operators just because they're all competing with each other. Um, h- how do you guys help sort of clarify, you know, or maybe this isn't your role in the industry, but clarify the reality of 5G and what it really means and how do people wrap their heads around it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, we, we consider this to be sort of kind of marketing wars 101, and we try to stay out of that fray for the most part. Um, we, you know, we're heavily involved in the standards. Uh, we we heavily involved in enabling the technology at the platform level with, with our modems and, and processors. Um, but, um, you know, I think in the end, in the long run, um, that all shakes out. And when, when 5G, and you know, whenever there's a launch of a new standard like this, or this happens a lot, but if unless we feel like it's really going to damage uh, the adoption of, of a new standard, which we don't feel like it will, um, we're partnered with everybody. Um, we're sort of um, working with all the operators, all the OEMs out there. So we sort of stay <laughs> stay outside of that that melee if we can. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally get that, and and I think everybody recognizes what it is, you know, what it is. Um, I know that a lot of my my colleagues who are not in the business just talk about five G like they would anything. They don't really understand the implications. They just know it's the next thing they're buying stuff for, which I think is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I want people to get excited about what's coming for storytellers and that all of this is going to enable a lot more exciting and, and immersive content. So for you as someone who, you know, like you said, you've been at Qualcomm for, you know, 12 years, I think you said. And um, does that mean that like your house is like totally tricked out with like all the latest tech? You think it might be, but there's there's my uh, my wife uh, and I have negotiations about about how much money I can invest on on home upgrades for technology. So uh, it's, it's not <laughs> as you think it might be. But are you like a? But I do have I do have uh, I do have a room with all the VR headsets uh, set up. So I, I do have one little playroom that she affords me to to do my thing in. You're, so you're immersive man cave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and how do you feel? The, the Quest room now. Oh, it's the Quest room now. How do you feel about <laughs> kids in VR? Do you let your kids um, use the headsets? <clears throat> I, I do sparingly. I mean, my daughters are fairly older right now. I have a 15 and a 13. So uh, I like to observe them quite a bit um, when they when they put on the headset. I, I literally watch everything they do and from the setup to, to how they move, to their facial expressions, to whether they come back to it and how long it takes for them to come back to it. So um, I, I haven't, I haven't uh, unlike myself, I haven't, I haven't had to, to rip them out of headset uh, after spending hours uh, in the unit so far. I think there's plenty of other distractions for, for kids these days, but uh, they do love it, and um, I, I'm okay with it uh, in, in, in small doses with, for the kids. You know, it's funny because um, I'm actually, my daughter has used VR before from places like the mall in those little things they have to um, just in, in um, my, um, her dad and, and myself have always had some sort of VR headset around, but um, she's so deeply involved in other 
to your point, distractions and technologies and content coming at her that, you know, VR is like the last thing. But I love what it's doing for education. You know, I love that she can be plopped into an environment where she hears from Buzz Aldrin about his vision to Mars, you know, or her favorite character in a franchise she likes is talking, you know, um, directly to her. So how far in the future of all of this tech and how it will impact storytelling are you guys going? I mean, are you looking at, you know, the next three years, the next five years um, and working with storytellers? Like, is there a a direct engagement right now, you know, with the creative world? I I just want to mention one thing since you talked about education before I forget. And uh, and if you haven't done it, I would highly recommend. uh, We keep going back to the quest, but... Um, there's a there's an Anne Frank uh, house tour experience in the Quest. And oh, cool! Of education. That's actually one piece that I I sort of forced my daughters to go do, and it's really well done. It's very well executed. Um, you know, you're taking a tour of every room in the house, and you're getting sort of a historical narrative on, on what happened at the time and what the family was going through, what the, what the, uh, what Anne was going through. There's ex- excerpts from her diary that get sort of written on the walls. It's, it's very compelling and, uh, it, it's very emotionally impactful as well. So, I mean, that's just another example of in the education space and how you can combine education and sort of an entertainment interactive experience to make it, to make it more memorable and, and, and uh, impactful for the, for the student. Who I um I'm so um, excited so excited for her on um you know what she's going to experience. So certainly in her you know she's only 9. So in her elementary school, you know they're not rolling out VR headsets, but is this stuff that your kids are encountering in junior high or middle school or whatever they call it now? Uh, there are companies out there that are sort of deploying kits uh, out to certain schools and, and doing tests and then VR learning. Uh, there's, um, you know, the Lenovo team has done some work there. I think, you know, Google Expeditions has some, some attraction in classroom. There's, there's a class VR. There's, there's a handful of companies that are getting traction and, and working with districts to get, um, um, units in into the classroom, and and I think there's still some way to go to really measure efficacy, and you know in uh, you know how how it's really impacting what students you know retain, and if there's a, a measurable difference. But I mean, I think that there is a lot of work in that area, and that and that you know it's it's immersion. It's kind of obvious and intuitive that when you're more fully immersed in the experience, is that it's going to be more impactful and memorable for you. So um, there, there's plenty of companies out there sort of attacking the education space that are that are doing great work. Um, it's just um, I'm so excited for her. There's things I'm scared about for her, but that's one thing I'm actually excited about. Now, we're, um, of course, the theme of this podcast is the road to the Infinity Festival um, and Qualcomm is a partner um, on that show, and you're going to be doing a bunch of things there, um, including talking about some of the stuff we just talked about. Um, but what is so important about this notion of storytelling being advanced by technology? Like, what what is going on out there that you think people need to understand? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, for us, you know, we're very happy to be part of the the festival coming up. It's our, our first first year being involved, so 
also very ecstatic to be joining as a, as a sponsor of the event. Um, you know, as an entertainment industry, traditionally is kind of outside of our immediate sphere of, of influence. In my role, I regularly make it up to LA and meet with the studios usually to to do, you know, maybe one-off content projects for, for a, a latest VR headset or something that we're they're launching to show at a trade show or in partner meetings. But I would say we're sort of more dabblers in the space historically. Um, we generally don't meet outside of we have a we actually have a small game studio at Qualcomm called Advanced Content Group, and they meet with a lot of game studios and publishers. But outside of that, we don't do a lot of direct content um, creation. Mostly, it's de- it's demo based. But for us, and obviously the entertainment industry itself is going through some pretty major disruption right now with the the influx of major over the top providers and, and acquisitions and consolidations. So. Um, this disruption is being caused by new technology, right? So uh, new business models are, are coming in and ushered in by, by new tech. So I think the event for us is, is really welcome because it, it's going to bring C-levels together with decision makers from, from both industries. And, um, and for XR in particular, you know, as we transition into that, what we'll just call the next decade of, of that converged smart glasses form factor, device that would support both VR and AR. Um, a hugely important category is going to be the entertainment and gaming content, right? So being closer to those creators and decision makers and, and together thinking through hard problems like spatialized storytelling and interactivity and giving user agency and how things like production and distribution of content will be impacted by some of these technologies like 5G and cloud computing and AI. Um, are going to be really invaluable to us and potentially even roadmap informative as we look forward. Is there um, any anything that you can share with us that maybe is coming down the pike that you think is really interesting from Qualcomm or just anything industry-wide um, that you're excited about? I mean, everything's kind of exciting. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> that's, that's always a... A delicate dance, uh, tightrope. I've got to be very protective of, of our partners here, but I would say that the, there's huge disruption. I talk a lot about XR because that's kind of my current focus, but um, and, and we really believe that's going to be um, in, in, the, in the industry that scales over time, but there's also major disruption in automotive. And one thing that's relevant for the, the content space in automotive is we think you know we're on this track to have fully autonomous driving, right? It seems to be an inevitability. The algorithms are really improving. Um, it has the potential to save a lot of lives. There's going to be some bumps and bruises along the way, but I think it really is, you know, I don't, I don't know of anyone who doesn't think it's going to happen really uh, in a meaningful way and in a large scale way. So think about what that does then to the interior of the cockpit of the car. And many people, you know, are working on and, and, thinking that this is going to be more of an entertainment zone now, right? So you could have the full interior be uh, nothing but screens and an immersive space where, you know, content is experienced um, in all different forms and and the commute time or whatever it is. So, I mean, uh, we're, we're seeing automotive OEMs now really moving quickly and adopting new technology, um, unlike they, they ever have in the past. So I expect that that's going to be 
something, you know, your car, the car that you're going to buy in five years is going to look really nothing like the car that you buy today. If, if you even buy a car in five years, there's lots of different debate about, right. about, Models. about whether you're going to need them. Yeah. And, and there, there's also, you know, that, that other cultural input of millennials and younger not opting to buy cars, but, you know, growing up with Uber and just a different modality around personal transportation. So you have the sort of cultural piece that's being pushed by the business piece and the technology piece. So, you know, this idea of um, owning a car w- will totally change. And I'm actually excited about that because somebody pointed out to me that like 75% of the time your car is just parked. So why are you paying yeah. full price for your car? Shouldn't you only pay for the fifteen percent that you're using it? You know. Well, that's yeah. That's one of the things that that many people are talking about as well, right? Is is maybe you sort of co-op a car, co-own a car with a group of people, and that car is sent out on jobs while you're not using it, right? And you're doing a rev share um, back with with the co-owners. So there's there's lots of I think new business models coming, coming, and these business models will be enabled by these new technologies that are going to be embedded in in these cars, like 5G and, and other things. So, um, it's uh, I think those efficiencies will be worked out um, by the market as the new technology is adopted and integrated. That's it's so exciting everything everything that's happening. Um, so when you when you um, Think about your favorite VR projects, um, just be, as people look at um, getting the Quest or getting anything or anything that's been landmark. Um, can you mention a few of them? Uh, it's hard, it's hard to, to skip. I mean, uh, the one on everyone, tip of everyone's tongue is obviously Beat Saber. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've had a chance to do it yet, but it's highly addictive and it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's 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 the perfect. Um, example of of how an experience once you cut the cable can be just infinitely more uh, fun and compelling. So uh, I would say that that's a great one. There, there's lots of you know. I'll even give. Um, uh, it's not really related to our platform, but I would I would highly recommend people to go out and do these location based experiences to really get a feel for. Oh yeah, um, I love that places like the like the Void and Dreamscape where they really do a great job of integrating both sort of analog physical experiences with the VR experiences as you're going through um, the maze. You know, you might get, you know, a fan blown on your face or, or, or a heat lamp as you go through the experience. So that's a lot of fun because you get the tactile and, and the virtual together, which is um, increases immersion. Um, but I, you know, we spend a lot of time really, I, I, we go back to this idea of, of, the, the big what if, right, is is the mind is, it's easy for the mind to drift to the what if possibilities once you have uh, a fully deployed uh, 5G network with billions of people, hundreds of billion, billions of things that are all connected together, um, fully optimized, maximum throughput, lowest latency, mobile itch, compute enabled, AI enabled. How, how will that change or how could that possibly change the how we experience stories, right? So it just makes me wonder if we're, we won't have the ability to integrate ourselves as a physical character in like a mixed reality story 
that doesn't play out over two hours on a couch in front of a flat screen, but but rather plays out like in small increments increments of time over the over the hours or days or weeks or or months, right? So more of a long form format. Um, so these are the kind of things that that are exciting to me because I think as you go through your day, everything on the device or what you're wearing is going to be censored. Uh, and the environment cool. will be censored, and that can be input <laughs> up into the cloud, right, where, where those algorithms can run, and you can actually send that data back down to shape the story and the narrative that person goes through. Um, I love that. I love that idea. I was just thinking about, like, when I'm when I'm um, hangry, will the sensors let people around me know? <laughs> So to, to they, stay away. So they, so they just feed me. <laughs> so, Patrick, where can we follow what Qualcomm is up to and all the great things that you're doing? Is it Qualcomm.com? Is there a special site we should go to? Yeah, I would say that a great place to start is is Qualcomm.com, and um, or you can you know search uh, Twitter for for Qualcomm and Snapdragon uh, or XR. Uh, we're out there. We're pretty active on social media. Um, and again, we we are working with the most most um, most key players in the ecosystem. So, um, if you, whether you're in the in the XR space, whether you're using a, an Oculus Quest or a Nova Mirage Solo or a Vive HTC Focus or some of the AR devices like Hololens, uh, there's they're all running Snapdragon, and and um, uh, we'll 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 get sort of ancillary credit uh, when credit is due, but. Really, a lot of credit goes to those those great companies making those great devices. Fantastic. Well, we're going to wrap up now, but we've been talking to Patrick Costello, Senior Director of Business Development at Qualcomm Technologies, on the road to the Infinity Festival in Hollywood in early November, all about advancing uh, storytelling by technology and Qualcomm and Patrick dropping insights um, about what the future of all these devices and all the great content that's going to be coming through these 5G networks powered by and, and enabled really by that Snapdragon uh, processor. So, you know, never before I think has, um, you know, our technology companies playing such a significant role in the future of the entertainment experience um, and and all of us understanding your role too. I think the, the average consumer getting the importance of that processor um, in, in creating all these opportunities. So it's been great to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining us, and I'm looking forward to hanging out with you in November. Really appreciate the invitation, Laurie, and have a great day, and uh, uh, thanks a lot. And and you sound good, so don't worry about your cold. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't cough once, I don't think. Maybe I did. You, you did good. And we'll be back next week with another advisor from the um, Infinity Festival joining us here on a couple months long um, a section of shows all dedicated to talking to advisors and influencers focused on the future of storytelling. We'll be back next week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 